Hey, I'm Pastor Chris, and the teaching or conversation that you're about to hear is from the student ministry at Cedar Crest Bible Fellowship Church. If you have any questions or you'd like to get into contact with us, please visit us on our website at cedarcrest.church forward slash students. Now I pray that God would use this resource to richly bless you in your walk with him. John 5:18 through 29. This is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him, so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but he has given all judgment to the Son, that all who honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, Whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Thank you, Sharon. Get this out of here. All right, so I want to open with a question that will help us understand kind of what's happening here in the Gospel of John and what Jesus is going to actually explain uh, to us. Have you uh, ever heard rumors about someone? Raise your hand if you've heard rumors about people. Okay, pretty much every hand is up. Um, have you ever suspected something about someone just based on what you've observed? You didn't hear anything about it. They didn't say anything, but you've watched them and you've suspected something. It could be anything. Ever? Okay. Yeah, okay, we've all, we've all been there. Have you ever observed what someone does and wondered if something was true about them? So not just necessarily their, you know, their quirkiness or whatever, but the things that they actually do. You know, you've observed it, you've wondered what's true about them. Now let me ask this question. Now, now it's going to come real, real, real close to home, at least I think. Have you ever heard rumors that somebody liked you or one of your friends? And when I say liked, I mean liked. Okay, I think we've all been there. Have you ever suspected? Have you ever suspected? Maybe not heard rumors, but you suspected that somebody liked you or one of your friends. Okay, oh yeah. Let me just say this. Let me just say this. At your age, your age group makes this so painstakingly obvious. 
every adult in the room knows who likes who. It's just, yeah, it's, it's definitely there. Um, okay, we can be pretty sure of the reality, of a reality like this, that some guy likes some girl or some girl likes some guy, based on a rumor that we hear, based on an observation that we make. But let me ask you this. Have you ever had a guy or a girl uh, just come right up and tell you, I like you? Or vice versa. Okay, I see a head. Yeah, okay, some hands. All right, is it awkward? A little awkward? Yeah, yeah, right? Now, let me ask you this. As reliable as, reliable as the idea that the young guy is just constantly hanging out with the girl that he likes her, which is more of a sure statement? Him coming out and saying, I like you, or the observations that you make? One or two? One, right? It's one. There are all kinds of sources that we can get information from to determine things like observations, rumors, etc. But the truest source is that person. You know, unless, of course, they're lying. But for the sake of argument, we'll just say that they're not lying. Thus far in the Gospel of John... John has opened with his prologue, all right, intro. He's made lots of statements about Jesus, that Jesus is the Word, okay? He's the Word made flesh, that Jesus reveals God to us, that Jesus has life in himself, all right? He's made these kind of statements, all right? He's actually said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word what? Was God. He is God himself. And he gives evidence. He's created the world. Not, nothing was made that was made except by him. John the Baptist calls Jesus greater than himself, claiming that, that he baptizes with water, but Jesus, the one who come after him, baptizes with the Spirit. Uh, uh, Nathaniel declared to Jesus when Jesus said, I saw you under the fig tree before I was here. All right, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. There's been some explicit statements, right, in the Gospel of John thus far about who Jesus is. Right? Yes? Yes? Yes. Good. Glad. But Jesus, at least in his speech recorded for us in the Gospel of John, he has not been so explicit yet. Okay? He's hinted, strongly hinted. All right? He's done things that you're like, wow, like at the wedding of Cana, he performs his first sign, but it's done privately. When he cleanses the temple and they ask him, by whose authority do you cleanse this temple? Or do you throw out all these birds and all these vendors and flip over the tables of coins? He told them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Now what did he mean? Kill me and in three days I will raise myself from the dead. If somebody claimed that, would you think they were claiming some sort of deity for themselves? Yes, but they didn't even understand what, what he meant. He said, it's, uh, it's taken 46 years to build this temple. And you're going to... They were clueless. It wasn't so blatantly obvious yet. When Nicodemus asked Jesus, who are you? We know you're a teacher from God. Tell us who you are. Jesus just preaches to him the new birth and refers to himself as the son of man. When he meets the Samaritan woman privately, he says, I am he. I am the Messiah. I am God. This is a very explicit statement in John 4. But now in John chapter 5, with the religious leaders, okay, we're going to see that Jesus makes a very explicit, really, argument for who he is. The last time we were in John, we saw that Jesus healed a man by the pool called Bethesda, all right? And he did so on the Sabbath. Did the Jews like that or not like that? 
They did not like that, okay? Because the Jews had all their additional laws or their own rules for what you could and could not do on the Sabbath. And when they asked him why he was healing on the Sabbath, because they hated him for it, his answer was this. My father is working until now, and I am working. Now, he referred to himself, to uh, the father, um, to God as his father in John chapter 2, okay? He called God his father then, and that didn't ruffle their feathers as much. But look at, look at, look at John chapter 5, verse 18. This is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath in their eyes, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. This was his claim. God the Father, my Father works on the Sabbath. God doesn't ever rest. So I work on the Sabbath. And according to the Sabbath, is man supposed to work? Yes or no? No. No, according to the law, no. So if Jesus is claiming I work because my Father works, who is he claiming to be? And who did these these Jews understand him to say that he was? God. God himself. God himself. This was his claim. He does what God does and is allowed to do what God does. And the Jews understood exactly what he meant. Jesus now boldly declares who he is and unpacks the relationship he has with his father and what that means for us. Okay? This is... Deeply theological. This is deeply what we call Christological, meaning it's telling us about the nature of the Son of God. This is going to be some rich theology. So pay attention. Try to digest it. It has application for our lives. I'm going to go as clear as I can through, through this text. But the biggest question I want you to ask yourself, even if you don't get all the ins and outs, all right? Jesus gives us a lot of information here. To you, who is Jesus? Okay, you have to answer that question. To you, who is Jesus? And how has that reality impacted your relationship to him? And how has that impacted your life? All right? Who is Jesus? And how has that reality of who he is impacted your relationship to him and your life? All right, I want us to see in verse 18 that the son asserts, okay? That, that means to declare boldly and to, as a state, as a fact. That, that's what the word assert means. The son asserts divine equality with the father. He asserts it right here. Boom. The Jews knew exactly what he meant. That's why they hated him. That's why they wanted to kill him. He was breaking the Sabbath, but his reason for breaking the Sabbath in their eyes and what he was saying is God is his father, And I am equal with God the Father. So the Jews knew exactly what he meant, saying that he was equal with God. But, let me say this. The Jews didn't really know exactly what he meant. God has clearly revealed himself as one. Right? Classic Jewish text in Deuteronomy 6.4. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is what? One. Okay? In Isaiah 40, 25, he says, the Lord says, to whom then will you compare me that I shall be like him, says the Holy One, the set apart one. The Jews thought that Jesus was claiming to be another God. Let me ask you this. If he was claiming to be another God to God the Father, is that blasphemy? Yes, it is. 
They thought that's what he was saying. Jesus is about to unpack this relationship. Jesus clearly reveals that God is triune, meaning three persons, one God. Okay? This is unique to the Christian faith. This is how God has revealed himself to us. Can you give us an illustration? No, because it'll be heretical. We can't understand the Trinity fully. We, we accept it by faith. God is three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, one God. We cannot fully explain it. We cannot fully comprehend it. But Jesus claims it and explains it. Jesus fully comprehends it. We, we can fully embrace it as true. We can fully embrace it as true. So I want to see, look at verses 19 through 20. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing for whatever the father does, the son does likewise for the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing and greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. The son explains his divine equality with his father through, pay attention to this, his divine unity with his father. Jesus is saying, I'm not another God. My father and I are one. I can't do anything on my own. Now, some say, oh, see, he's not God. See, he's, de- he's dependent on the father, just like we're dependent on the father. But that's not actually what he is saying. He says, the father and I are one in action. I do nothing of my own initiative. All right. The son does nothing independently from the father. So you, but, but catch this. The son does all that the father does. So let me ask you this question. If the son can do everything the father can do, does that make him lesser than God in nature and ability or equal with him? One or two? Two. I feel like I'm at the eye doctor. Better one or two? One. If you, if you have glasses, you understand that reference. Okay. The son does only what he sees his father doing. But he submits to the father. So there is submission in the Godhead. And let me make a little side application, especially for ladies, but also for men, depending on how, what you go into in life. Sometimes, you know, women in the feminist movement have pushed equality, pushed equality, and women should have equal rights. There's no doubt. But then they've also raged against things like male headship in the home or male headship in the church, men being the leaders. And they've almost made it that if you, if you submit to someone, then you are saying that you're less than them in value. You know what scripture tells us? Submission has nothing to do with your value. The Son of God submits to the Father. Does that blow your mind? I mean, the Son of God is saying, I submit to the Father. It doesn't subtract from or add to your worth. The Father and the Son are unified. The Son is able to do all that the Father does. Jesus is not committing blasphemy. He is not threatening the truth about God, but is rather revealing to us more clearly who God is. Okay, let me, let me kind of give you an illustration. In the Old Testament, God revealed himself to us progressively and then also in the New Testament progressively. What that means is it's almost like, again, if you're at an eye doctor appointment, as you're there and the doctor's saying, tell me if, if this gets clearer. And all of a sudden you can't read the lines, you can't read the lines, you can't read the lines, and all of a sudden, oh, XVPS5! You can read the line, Right? Jesus, when he came, he revealed the reality of who God was in a more clear way. Yes, God is one, but he's three in one. Making sense? That's what Jesus is revealing to these Pharisees and they won't 
They won't have it. The son never competes with, contradicts, or separates from the father. Jesus is not claiming to be another God at all, but he is claiming, I am one with God. I am distinct in personhood from the father, yet one in deity, one in godness with the father. All right? So the, so the son and the father do the same works. The father and the son are also in one relationship. You see that in verse 20. The reason that the son or Jesus sees and does all that the father does is because the father loves the son. This is crucial. The father shows him all that he does. The illustration here is almost like um, an apprenticeship. Okay, so dad has a family business. He's got family secrets, right? He's either got good recipes because he's got a restaurant or he's got good tricks of the trade. He's a carpenter, whatever. And just like Jesus with Joseph, his earthly uh, adopted dad, shows him all the tricks of the, of, the, of the trade. I love you, son. I'm going to pass this business on to you, son. I'm showing you everything. The father from eternity past shows the son everything. Everything. So what Jesus is saying is the father approves of my equality with with. Uh, with him. He loves me. So as we're going to see implied here, if you disagree with this, you disagree with God, the father himself, God, the father himself. He shows him all that he does, all his works so that we would marvel. The religious leaders thought they understood God. They did not realize that God's truest revelation, the ultimate revelation of himself was standing right in front of them. In the person of Jesus Christ. The reality of who Jesus is and God's approval of and love for him is meant to make us marvel at God. Look at verse uh, 20, I believe it is. Look at verse 20. Father loves his son, shows him all that he himself is doing. Greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. This reality about God is supposed to make us go, wow. Now, some of you are hot right now because it's hot in this room. You might be bored because you don't like teaching. Some of you have grown up in the church and the Trinity. All that's familiar to you. This is meant to blow our minds that we might be amazed at who our God is. That he is three in one. Now, the Holy Spirit's not really been as introduced yet. We've seen him in in John 1 with being baptized in him. We're going to see him clearly as a person later in John. But thus far, it's father, son, father, son. And this would have blown the Jews' mind. As a matter of fact, they couldn't understand it. They couldn't receive it. God is magnificent. He's incomprehensible. He's glorious. And he condescended to reveal himself to us. So rather than these realities we just read about diminishing the son's deity, these claims establish and affirm his deity you have someone ever tell you that what Jesus is saying here, see, I can't do anything on myself. Oh, see, he's not God. Well, why in the next statement does it say he does everything the father does? The father loves him and shows everything to him. Everything to him. I'm going to read to you uh, our doctrine, uh, Article 4-1 in our denomination about the son to help bring some clarity here. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is the Word, the eternal and true God who is of one substance and equal with the Father. It tells us that He is of one substance and equal with the Father in every way as far as who He is. Second, the Son explains His divine equality with His Father from His divine authority He's been given from His Father. 
All right? So he explains I'm equal with God because God the Father in eternity past has given me authority. Authority. All right? Jesus gives two significant works that he does and will do that have been granted to him by the Father. All right? And both of these things are works that only God can do. First one is in verse 21. What does he say that the Son uh, does, that the Father does? In verse 21, what's the first one? Someone shout it out. He what? Gives life. He raises the who? The dead. He raises the dead. God, the, only God is, is attributed to the ability or only is the ability of raising the dead attributed to God in the scriptures. Second Kings 5, 7, Ezekiel 37, 13, make it very clear. Only God can raise the dead. And here's what the son says. Just as the father raises the dead, I raise the dead. I give life. It's to cause someone to live, make them alive. And it says to whom he will, whoever he desires. Jesus has this ability to raise whomever he wants. Only God can do that. Second, in verse 22, we see that the father has given all judgment to the son. It says the father judges no one. That doesn't mean that Ultimately, that the father is not a judge. Scripture tells us in uh, Genesis 18.25, Abraham says, Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? Psalm 56 says, The heavens declare his righteousness for God himself is judge. What he's saying is, in the future, God the Father has given all judgment to the Son. The Father is judge, but he's given the act of judging to the Son. All people will stand before King Jesus. And Jesus' judgment is right and identical to the Father's. The Son asserts his equality with God. He will continue to do so, but will now bring it to a personal level. He will apply the reality of his equality with God to our lives right now. So if you've zoned out, I want you to zone back in. So Jesus is claiming, I am equal with God. I can do all the Father can do. The Father shows me everything. He's showing me more. I can raise the dead. I judge. Now look at verses 23 through 24. This is where it hits us right here. The reason why this is true. Look in verse 23. That, this is the purpose, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. The son applies his divine authority universally. All right. The son applies his divine authority universally, meaning he's saying, I have authority over all. And the son's authority makes him worthy of universal honor. Jesus tells us that the purpose that God has granted him authority is that the Father entrusts him ju- uh, judgment to him, grants him the right to raise whom he will, so that all would honor him, see him as God. The Father desires and demands that every single human being who has ever lived will live, acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Son of God is God himself, honors him as such. To give someone honor is to give them the respect that is due them. And that's exactly what he claims. 
Jesus is claiming that the Father's heart and purpose is that everyone give the same honor to Jesus as they give to God himself. Does it sound like he's claiming to be a lesser God here? No. I want to give you the illustration or the application that C.S. Lewis gives. It's very classic. If you've never heard it, take this with you. In the world, Jesus is treated as someone who was a great teacher, but not God. As someone who started a religion, was a good man, a moral man, a man we can learn from, but not God. And C.S. Lewis says, if you look at the claims that Jesus makes about himself, you have three options to decide in your heart who you believe him to be. Jesus is either either a liar, like he's full of it. He's making it up. It's not true. He's a lunatic. That's option number two. He actually believes it and he's crazy. Or he is Lord, as he claims himself to be. That's it. There's no middle ground. If Jesus is claiming himself to be Lord, saying, I raise whom I want to raise, I will judge all of you in this room, you have to either take him at that or completely reject him at that. Does that make sense? There is no middle ground. Oh, I can learn from Jesus, but I'm not going to submit to him as Lord. No, he's either crazy, he's either a blatant liar, or he is Lord himself. The son states that anyone who dishonors him dishonors the father who sent him. Jesus is obligating that everyone acknowledge him as equal with the father. Equal with the father. Let me ask you this question that we opened with. To you, who is Jesus? Does your view of Jesus of Nazareth square with the father's view, the spirit's view, and Jesus's view himself? Do you honor him as God? Do you honor him as who he claims to be, or do you not? You have to ask, you have to ask yourself that question. Anyone who does not acknowledge that Jesus Christ is God does not honor God himself. Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, atheists, Buddhists, Muslims, church kids who grew up in the church but don't actually embrace Christ as Lord, if they do not embrace Jesus Christ as God himself, as Lord of their life, they do not honor God the Father. Now here's the startling reality, young person. You are given the ability in this life right now to embrace Jesus for who he is, because if you don't now bow your knee willingly to him as a good and gracious king, as we sing, you will be forced to bow your knee to him as your judge. Philippians 2, 5 through 11 makes it very clear in verses 9 through 11 that every knee will bow, whether on earth or under the earth, does not matter. Every knee will bow and they will acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord to the glory of God the Father. God the Father wants his son to be acknowledged as Lord. All will bow. So the son's authority makes him worthy of universal honor, but this is, this is the good news, okay? He's not just some God who is mean in the judge. The son's authority makes the dead alive. We saw that in verse 24. Jesus does not assert his authority as God only to be recognized, as God, but to rescue us as God. All are called to believe. It says in verse 24, look at this. This is good news. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. All of you in this room right now, if you believe in Christ as who he is, you, have, you can have eternal life. 
If you hear his word, remember we talked about that earlier, that Jesus did all these miracles and those who believed who he was based on the miracles but then rejected his word did not really believe him as who he was. But those who believed his words, what he said about himself, those were the people who were truly saved, truly believers. They have eternal life. They are justified. They will never face judgment. If you're in this room and you struggle with salvation you should, or your assurance of salvation, you should memorize this verse, John 5, 24. Listen to this. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Look at this. He does not come into judgment, but has passed. That's past tense. From death to life. He's saying there is a sense spiritually you've already crossed over. You'll never come into judgment ever again. You are justified, declared righteous in God's sight. That is something to celebrate. Jesus' words impact your life now. Thirdly here, Jesus applies this authority presently and eternally. This is what we're going to wrap up with. I want you to see that Jesus is promising life to all those who believe in his name. The Son's authority make The Son's authority makes the dead alive right now. The time is now. He says, look at verse 25. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming, and this is very important, and is now here. It's right now. When the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has, has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. Do you want to know what he's saying? Those who are spiritually dead in their sins, which is all of us before Christ. If we hear the Son calling us, if you hear the words of Jesus, you know how you know that this book is true? Because God the Spirit gives you a heart to see and to hear it as true. When true believers read the word of God, we, just, we know it's the voice of Jesus. John chapter 10, Jesus will say, My sheep hear my voice and I know them. They know me. If you hear Jesus calling and you want to run to him and believe in his claims by faith and faith alone, you will live now. He will bring you from spiritual death to spiritual life. As of right now, that's an amazing claim. He has authority over life because he is the life. As we see John 1, 4, he has life in himself. John 14, 6, he's called the way, the truth, the life. The son, just like the father, has life in himself. Every single one of us in this room, every single one of us, we depend on, we depend on external things from us for life. Food, water, clothing, All those things. If we don't get those external things, we what? We die. Jesus, only God, has life in himself. He's self-sustaining. He needs nothing. And Jesus says the Son has life in himself. The Word of God, Jesus, uses his living Word, his truth to breathe spiritual life into dead hearts today. So I ask you this question. Have you been born again, as we read in John chapter 3? Have you been justified? Have you passed from death to life? John 5, 24. Have you been spiritually resurrected? John 5, 25. Jesus can do it. Do not delay because, listen, our spiritual death or life will impact our eternal death or life. Last point. The Son's authority makes the dead alive in the future. 
Not just now, but in the future. Look at verse 27. And he, the father, has given him the son authority to execute judgment because he is the son of man. Do not marvel at this. For an hour is coming, and it doesn't say, and is now here. This is how you know it's the future. When all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Okay, will come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. We know this is the future and this is physical death because he says a time is coming. It's It's not here yet. Those in the tombs, meaning they're buried. He doesn't use that language with spiritual death here. They will come out. The Son has authority to judge all people ultimately and finally. He has earned this divine right, as we'll see later in the Gospel of John. He will call people out of the tombs. God will raise to life every single person who has ever died and will die. Every single one. And here's what Jesus says. The Son has the right and the authority to judge them and grant life to those who have done good. And in the Gospel of John, doing good means to believe on Christ. It's not works, okay? And those who have done evil, rejected the Son, they will go to judgment. They will go to judgment. This is made very clear. So how you embrace Jesus today as Lord impacts your spiritual life today and your eternal destiny in the future. Jesus claims that he is truly God and truly man. He is equal with the Father. He submits to the Father, but the Father has granted him all authority to give life and to judge. He is going to grant you life eternal now and forever, or he's going to pass over you now and raise you to judgment in the future. He says to you tonight, young person, hear this. We're going to close with this. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word, and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. I ask you this question. Have you embraced Jesus as Savior and Lord? Or will you reject him and face him as judge? Let's pray.